0: Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to Kessetchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Good morning, how's everybody? I am so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for taking time. I want to start off by thanking all those people last week who came and helped out, helped us set up and tear down. As many of you know, we weren't able to be in this room, and uh, we had to move to a different location. And a lot of folks showed up and made that happen. And so can we just take a minute and appreciate all those people? It is, uh, it is really, really exciting to see so many of you here. My name is Danny. I'm one of the pastors. I'm going to be sharing with you. And uh, we're in the third part of our Christmas at Kesed Uh, series which will wrap up next weekend which will be a Saturday night and two Sunday morning services so uh, come check it out if you can do Saturday night and Sunday at 9 that'd be the best because those of you that bring friends at 11 that they they, like they know we're coming and they 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 know we're coming and they they watch for us so if you can bump to 9 or even Saturday it'd be much appreciated because it's going to be packed in here uh, next week but but we love it and uh, and we'll push through it. Um, I want to do something real quick uh, before I pray. I want to just mention that, that Christmas at Kesset is a really big deal. It, it's just something that's kind of inside of our DNA. And I've been saying that for a while. I've been saying, hey, this is, this is a holiday that, that just, for some reason, we just get. And recently, someone pointed out to me that, uh, that it might be because of this particular reason. On our staff, uh, we have a man by the name of Chris Potter. And uh, I, well, let me share something else for you, with you. Do you know the holiday special, Santa Claus coming to town, the animated claymation special from like the early '70s? We'd watch. Well, look at this kid right here. Uh, this is that kid, Chris Kringle, uh, before he's Santa Claus, and eventually in the special he becomes uh, Santa Claus. And I I just want to say something about Pastor Chris Potter that we recently brought to his attention. He had no idea that we were doing this this Sunday. But does anybody else think that Chris Kringle looks a little like? little Chris Potter. Is that just, <laughs> is, what, is that just me or, is, it, or is, that, is that odd? Like I was like, Chris, I mean, we take Christmas serious, but this is crazy. Uh, and, which means if you want to know what Santa looks like in his mid thirties, it's something like that. <laughs> is Pastor Chris in here anywhere? Yeah, no, he left the room. No, that's good for him. We love Christmas, and we love you guys, so let's pray, and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for this opportunity to talk about you. Thank you for this opportunity to gather in this place. I pray, Lord, that any distractions we brought with us, anything that would keep us from learning from, from being uh, touched by your Spirit, Lord, would be removed. I know that there's so much that goes on in the holidays, and I ask that simply said we would just sit here in your presence waiting to receive from you whatever it is you have for us. We love you, God. We bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Last week, uh, I continued in this series, and and I think some of you are starting to put this together, but I really didn't want to preach the typical Christmas uh, gospel story every single week. I wanted to save it for next week, for Christmas Eve and for that weekend. And so I decided to kind of approach Christmas from a historical standpoint, from a kind of uh, an Old Testament standpoint, from all kinds of different angles that would give us a little more perspective about how well-coordinated and well-thought-out Christmas really is supposed to be when it comes to what God intended for us to celebrate. We talked last week about the Ark of the Covenant. We talked about how it was a, it was a, 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 a chest that had within it three items that all really foretold the Messiah who was to come. It had the budding rod of Aaron, which represented priestly authority. It had the the commandment tablets, which represented God's law. And it had the bread of life, the manna, that represented the bread of life who was Jesus. And I had such huge feedback from people that were like, whoa, I I never realized Christmas was, was, was that far back. And I thought, hmm, well, let's let's talk about that a little bit more. How far back does Christmas go? How far back can we tie this kind of thing into what Jesus did on the cross and is still doing for us today? Well, when you talk about the Ark of the Covenant, you have to be really specific. And I don't know if you've noticed, but every time last week and this week that I mentioned the Ark of the Covenant, I always add of the Covenant because there's another well-known Ark in the Bible, and it's (laughs) Noah's Ark. And when you just start preaching about the ark, people will be like, what? Like, the ark was made of gold. I thought it was made of gopher wood. I don't understand. And you have to be really careful. So you always bring up Ark of the Covenant separate from Ark of Noah. Well, let me just talk to you just for a second about the Ark of the Covenant and then how that ties into the the Ark of Noah. First off, let me share this. The Hebrew word for the ark in Ark of the Covenant is Aaron. And it means exactly what we preached last week. It means a chest. And it's this idea of a treasure chest, something that's very valuable, that carries something valuable within it. This is actually where we get the idea for our word chest, which, carries with, which protects and carries within us our vital organs, things fairly valuable to us. And so you've got this Aaron, this chest, this Ark of the Covenant. And it's, it's this incredible sort of illustration of what God wants to do with all of us. He wants to put valuable things within us. So that we can experience incredible life. But when we're talking about Noah's Ark, it's different. When we're talking about Noah's Ark, it's an entirely different word. It's the word tava. Noah's Ark is the word Tavah. Look at Genesis 7.1. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the Ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. So if you know anything about God's word, or if you're brand new today, let me catch you up. There was a time way, way back, way before the Ark of the Covenant, way before Moses, a time just after creation where the world had turned wicked, far more wicked than perhaps it even is now. And it was so wicked that God looked over the world and he saw only one family. And this family uh, was, was uh, Noah with his wife and his three adult sons who were married. And God said, you are the only people that follow my guidelines, and so I'm going to rebuild the world with only you. And so he tells him to build this ark that he just now told him to go into. And because once the flood came, God closed the doors of the ark, and that family was saved. We know the story. But have we ever really allowed it to soak into our lives what it's really being told to us, what is really being said to us? As I said a while ago, Aaron means chest, and it has this idea of valuable things being set aside and secured. But this ark in Hebrew is different, and it's that word, tava, which means basket. It's a very interesting word, isn't it, that God would put all his people in a basket. He would put all creation in a basket, and he would float this basket out into the unknown, and through that basket, there would be salvation. Humanity would be saved for the world. Now, clearly, the theme of salvation resonates between these two ark-building enterprises. Even in Scripture, as you read God commanding them to build the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of Noah, you can think about the description of the detailed instructions that God gave Noah about how to build the ark and how it feels decidedly similar to the intricate descriptions that God gave about how to construct the Ark of the Covenant. These are echoes in Scripture of something coming something grand, something big. These are stories that, when told by themselves, are special and unique and valuable, but unless you really look at them through a Christmas lens, through the Christ child who was coming, you miss the whole thing. These kinds of echoes, I love this quote, when we find these echoes, these similarities, our minds should jump back and forth to the places where the echo sounds. These stories are all linked, every single one of them, because they are God's detailed instructions recorded there for us in the Bible and are written to indicate to us, this is so important, his foreknowledge and deliberate plan. His foreknowledge and deliberate plan for you. See, Noah's Ark isn't really about Noah. The Ark of the Covenant not even really about the people wandering in the desert for all those years. It's really all about him. It's all about Jesus. And Jesus came to bring glory to God and salvation to us. Now, the story, you think kind of climaxes there, right? You're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Ark of the Covenant and Ark of Noah. And it's interesting, they're two different words in Hebrew. But you got to always give space for stuff in the margins. And so I have a really good habit of doing that. As a matter of fact, uh, right now in the office, we're borrowing till the church is done. They don't let me light actual fire candles, which is something necessary for me. For some reason to do a message and so i'll often put fake fire like that on the tv or i've got those goofy little plastic candles that oh those right there that aren't real right none of those are real they're all battery operated and people will peek by my office and i'll be surrounded like i'm doing a seance or something by 10 plastic candles and it's really just me trying to create space because i'll sit and i'm like okay okay god you got the ark of the covenant that's pretty profound and you got this ark of noah and that's pretty profound but they're different words but once you give yourself some space, suddenly more always always starts to reveal itself. See, this word for Noah's Ark, Tava, is only used one other time in all of Scripture. And anytime I find something like that, I mean, I'm like dog on a scent at that point. I'm like, oh, one other time? When is it used? It's used in this verse right here, Exodus 2.3. It says, when she, Moses' mother, could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket, an ark, made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch and then she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank and she let him go so you have this mother who's being persecuted because of who she is but she feels like this child is of great importance to his to his people and so she builds a very small ark a basket And she puts him in a river and she floats him away. And if you know the story, God ordains that Pharaoh's daughter finds him. And he's raised within the kingdom of Pharaoh. And he becomes, as we know, this prince of Egypt, if you will. And he ends up leading his people out into salvation. And eventually he's the one that directs them through the voice of God, through the direction of God. The basket child directs the lost, wondering people how to build a place where God can be seen in their own Ark of the Covenant. Create some margin, let it soak in. See, you fast forward, and suddenly you have a mother, a virgin mother, who's carrying this child that nobody wants, who's in danger, as a matter of fact, who, just like the previous child, nobody's interested in. But this child is the savior of the world, and so she has this child, and she sets him in a straw made manger. It's very basket-like, isn't it? This little tiny child. And she raises him in a world full of wandering people. Until he is 30 years old when he steps out into the world of wandering people and he proclaims to them that he is now the one who completes all of the duties of the previous need for the ark he is the great priest he is the bread of life he is the law redeemer he is the command bringer and he says and i am the one now you don't have to go into the holy of holies and you don't have to sacrifice blood on the mercy seat so that you can see the presence of god for i am the embodied presence of god i am the one the ark for all mankind to reside upon so that this world that is full of great wonder full of great lostness, full of people trying to create their own truths and their own own realities and their own journeys instead of turning to the one who designed them for something better than they could ever imagine. They will all, they will all perish if they don't face and latch on to the one who came to be the great provider and the great salvation bringer. This is what Jesus came to do. This is what all these arks represent. Noah's Ark, made according to the master's specification, carried all life. The smaller Ark that Moses was in, this basket carried no less important cargo, but it did carry a people's savior. We have the Ark of the Covenant, which was nestled in the tabernacle, a focal point of God's saving presence. And then, of course, we have Jesus, who was laid within that straw basket, who then was pushed out into the world of his own accord to save it within all of its hatred And violence. All of this is a picture given to us. I love this. A picture of a temporary primary initial stage of salvation from sin and judgment with working parts and tangible items that each represented something of God's grand scheme of redemption. Each one of these pieces were to put together for you that it's more than just a Christmas story on Christmas Eve for you to go, yeah, that's really nice. It is generations since the beginning of humanity that God has been writing for you and to you his story of redemption and what he wants to do with your life. Look at this, Noah's ark, Moses' ark, and the ark of the covenant, and the manger of Christ containing the Messiah of the world were all receptacles containing priceless treasures beyond anything we could conjure up in our wildest dreams. And we now, Christ followers, get to be the receptacles of his spirit. We now get to be the receivers of his treasure. We now get to share with other people that we have found the great ark of salvation and his name is Jesus. And that's why we celebrate every Christmas. That's why we praise him. That's why we worship him, amen. That's why we proclaim to him and him alone that he is worthy, that he is the completer, that he is the only one that can redeem a soul like mine. This is what we're building here. This is what our church is about. This is where we're going. God is moving us to uptown Vancouver, which is downtown to everybody who doesn't live there. <laughs> I got in trouble from that from some uptown folks. And I'm like, but nobody, nobody in Battleground thinks it's uptown. Everybody thinks it's downtown. But God is moving us down there or up there and around there, and he, around there <laughs> over there. He's moving us. And in this place, do you know what's going to happen? We are going to have to be great representatives of the arc of life that lives within us, of the Jesus that lives within us. Because different people than you're used to are going to sit next to you. Different people than you're used to are going to be around you. They're going to look different, think different, smell different. We recently, uh, we used to do some church at Main Street down there before we started the remodel and officially switched everything older over and one Sunday, somebody came in and started eating cookies in the back, but they didn't eat the normal, appropriate, social amount of cookies. They were eating a lot of cookies, and someone came up, and they're like, what are we going to do? He's eating, like, a lot of cookies. And I was like, okay. And they're like, I mean, that's like 10 cookies. Like, like what are we going to do? And I remember thinking, we're going to make more cookies. <laughs> like, but, it, but it's odd, right? It's uncomfortable. It's different. Some of you might be church shopping right now because this is the season because you're trying to find a church that's a little more comfortable, a little more like you, a little more of a fit. This is not the church for you if those are the criteria for what you're wanting to be a part of. This community is not at all. The last thing I want to hear is how comfortable you feel here. And I don't mean it disrespectfully, but I mean it sort of disrespectfully because I... (laughs) Because I just can't respect this idea that you're, that you're looking for church like the same way you're looking for a sweater. Like, does it fit good? Does it highlight all my best parts, right? Does it minimize my flaws? I mean, I can shop for stuff, right? I get it. And you want to find stuff that looks good on you. And I think sometimes people try to find churches that look good on them. And they're like, well, the pastor's not too convicting. He hardly ever talks about money. I can bring friends here because rarely do they do this. This is a pretty good fit for us. Wrong! The only question you should ask is, Jesus, do you want me here? Because here's the thing some of you are very comfortable here, and you've never asked Jesus, do you want me here? Because you know the answer. He's called you somewhere else. I realize that's not church growth strategy. I realize everybody watching online and all my friends that that are, that are experts at this are like, you just stop it. No, you need to pray about what church God wants you to be a part of. You've got to. You've got to, because this is his community, his family. He's our lead pastor. He's the head preacher. He's the one that ignites within you the fire that builds change. And if you're looking at me or worship, someone said in the back, and I thought it was profound, they go, man, that was some good worship. And I go, yeah. And she goes, that's going to be difficult for you to follow. (laughs) I thought, ah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) If, If what we were about was 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 that kind of stuff but of course it's a fun joke at Kessin because everybody knows that God is the only reason we gather God is the only purpose for our community and if God isn't guiding it if God isn't leading it if God isn't financially providing it some of you this ain't supposed to be a money talk but I tell you right now you know you're supposed to give you know you're supposed to help you know for a fact you can feel it you know you're supposed to serve you know you're supposed to pray. You know you're supposed to sing. You know you're supposed to help. Some of you, you know you're supposed to leave. Goodbye. I will see you in heaven. But there's a church out there waiting for you that needs you. Not that if you leave, you'll die. but <laughs> God's called you to leave forever. <laughs> like, that's not, that was, oh, I guess we're using the other service. I want to be in a community of people that God has called together, and I want to follow him because it'd be better for me to follow him in the desert for years and years and years, learning about the Messiah and who he is, than to build my own little kingdom to pass on to my children, to pass on to their children, to one day create a legacy of darkness and sin where we think we are the governing body and the great truth bringers and the ones who can provide all the answers. You cannot provide the answers. You just can't. I cannot provide the answers. That's why Christmas is so important. That's why it's so special. Because Jesus is the answer to all your questions. He's the answer to your broken marriage. He's the answer to your broken finances. He's the answer to your poor church shopping decisions. He's the answer to what you're supposed to do next for work. He's the answer to where you give and how you serve and where you help. He's the answer to all of it. And if you're wondering, it's simply because you haven't found the answer. hmm (laughs) Merry Christmas, somebody said. (laughs) Get out. It's a beautiful time that we have together. It's a beautiful season that we get to do this, and we're not going to get distracted by talent. We're not going to get distracted by buildings. We're not going to get distracted by deadlines. We're only going to get distracted by Jesus. Every day, all day. He is the unexpected, and he always has been, and I hope he meets with you here now.